And we are live. Welcome back to Navigating the Work Compass here on LinkedIn Live. I'm Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, along with my co-hosts, Susan Chapman-Hughes, and a special guest today, Becky Button, who is a principal at Gensler. Uh, before we get into today's topic, we recap a little bit from last week, where we talked a lot about company policy and the news and announcements that companies are making as we start to think about, and if companies aren't thinking about this, they better be returned to the office. What are companies thinking about around benefits? How are they looking at hybrid work uh, arrangements? How are we looking at new policies to support caregivers and our working parents to make sure that we're not forgetting about them? What about new professionals? But this week, we're actually gonna talk about the physical aspect of returning to the office and what that looks like. I'm gonna turn it over to Susan to take us through where we're at today. Awesome, hey Kate, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm great, Becky, how are you doing? I'm great. Wonderful, Happy we're still happy to have you on today. And so, as you all know, uh, I spent lots and lots of my years of my life thinking about workplace and how to help employees manage their experience from end to end. And as companies have been navigating their way back through the pandemic to come back to the office. Obviously the physical space has so much to do with the employee experience. And so Becky um, has been on the forefront of helping her clients think about this. So we're gonna have a really awesome conversation today, just really digging into what are the physical aspects of how things are changing? What about your lunch? Where, where can you get that? How are companies thinking about that? If you've got to take an elevator to your to your to get to your floor, what does that look like? How about meetings? I mean, like literally, I know there's a ton of questions like that. So, by all means, put your company your questions in the chat, and let's get this rocking and rolling. So, Becky, obviously, companies are making a lot of adjustments. Uh, what have you seen? I mean, obviously, there's a difference between what's happening in high rises or suburban offices. Just give us the overview of how your clients have come to you. Sure, yeah, so it's it's been really interesting. Um, I would say physical changes, there's, um, most of our clients are not making drastic physical changes to the built in the built workspace just yet. You know, many of them have done things like they've de-densified their seating plans, meaning there's maybe an empty desk between people. They limit the number of people that could be in conference rooms, they remove you know, they remove chairs, they put up signs, only so many people in a conference room, mostly temporary fixes. Um, a lot of them are, I think, waiting to see what happens in September. There seems to be, you know, before they commit to significant construction, which is really expensive, and we're kind of in this what is going to happen uh, period, um, they want to see what happens in September. You know, assuming schools are open and kids are in school five days a week, that's going to have a big impact on what happens. And so what we're doing with a lot of clients is really strategy work and really planning for the what ifs. We do a lot of work with our clients coming up with different personas. Like how is this type of person who has young kids in school, how are they gonna use the office? When are they gonna be coming? What is their experience gonna be like versus this young professional who just graduated and they have roommates at home, how are they gonna use the office? So, you know, our, our clients are really rethinking the purpose of the office, which is so exciting. You know, I've been doing this for over 20 years and honestly, like it's been okay, we're, we're doing exciting things. This is one of the most exciting times I've seen to really look at what we've learned over the last 15 months and really create um, a, new, a new focus for the office. It's gotta be around experience for collaboration and gathering because we know from all of our research and all the articles you see out there, that's what people miss, the things that they can't do at home. Mm -hmm. 
that's what yeah. the office needs to be for, those spontaneous connections, the mentorship. So that's really what we're doing a lot of right now. And you know, I, I anticipate the fall and the spring is gonna be quite busy. <laughs> it's like yeah, finding the yeah. Yeah, Becky, do, do you think, I, I like your energy and positivity around this topic because so much of what we're reading and talking about isn't positive, right? It's the yeah. negative, the impact, it's the disproportionate impact on, on women and, and certainly caregivers. Yeah, You're excited about the strategy and rethinking what these companies and what these office spaces can look like. Yeah. When you think about, you know, and I spent like Susan many, 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 many years in finance. And, and a lot of that was, I remember we made the decision to say, we're going to go do hoteling. Everybody threw up their arms and said, no, I need my physical desk. I need to be in the office every day. Yeah. We're seeing a complete reversal of that now. How are you working with these companies in strategizing around these personas, which is actually a really cool idea? Yeah, it's it's a very um, it's a very unique process for each organization. It is not one size fits all, and I think that's you know that's one of the big things of many companies who might be stuck in a mindset of trying to create one thing that's going to work for everybody. You're never going to find that. It's never going to work for everybody, right? And so, um, you know, I sort of break it into two types of clients. Like we have clients who are maybe in the creative class, so think media, tech, management consulting, they've already been working in a remote agile way. They had desk sharing already for some of some parts of their organization. They're kind of used to it. They know how to do it. They know people can do it and get used to it. And they're, they're maybe having a little bit of an easier time figuring out what the transition is going to be. They probably have policies in place already around, you know, what constitutes a remote employee versus maybe someone who comes in more often. So some of our other clients who are maybe what I'll call more traditional, think like law firms, professional services, financial services, they may not have had anybody working remote before. This, may, this is a brand new right. thing for them. So that's yeah. challenging and that's, you know, that's a very, that's a hard thing to navigate. And of course, the idea that like, okay, if you, if you have people who aren't coming in five days a week, do you still give them a dedicated desk? That's a whole conversation. And some of our clients are looking to save real estate. And if they're going to do that, so maybe not everyone has a desk, then how, how many days a week do you have to come in to get a desk? And we're finding the conversation is really interesting because some employees are willing to give up their desk if it means that they get flexibility in their schedule. That's that's a no brainer. They're happy to mm -hmm. do it. Other employees are saying, absolutely not. I'm not giving up my desk. I'll come in five days a week. I don't want to lose my desk. Which is also interesting, right? Because like literally nobody actually comes in five days a week <laughs> and they say they're going to do it. And it's, so it's I, I imagine that there's got to be some level of technology, like in, uh, infrastructure upgrade to help measure all of these things that are happening around. Are you saying your clients begin to actually try to put better tools in place for those kinds of things? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of what we're seeing now, it's, it's not that things have been, been invented since the pandemic. We already had some clients who are starting to realize the value of measuring their office space with whether it's sensors or whatever it might be. We're seeing an increase in that. And the idea is that this is an opportunity for us to think like scientists, right? We should be testing and experimenting with things, measure it, see how it's going and adjust. You know, yeah. it's not just classic change management, right? Which is why yeah. I think a lot of people haven't really thought about it like that. Yeah. It, it's yeah, fascinating. It's, you you uh, don't want to just build the space and expect it to, it's not going to just work for you for 10 years. You're not going right. to just get it right. It's That's right. And it's also funny because I think um, to your point around the data piece, like the data is so important. 
I always used to love when I would go sit with business leaders and they'd be like, oh no, Susan, there's no way my team could do this. They're in the office all the time or whatever. And I'd come up with the badge data of when they actually showed up. And I'd be like, well, actually only 40% of your team is actually showing up at any point in time. And they'd be like, what? And so it's like, you know, this big epiphany around what that looks like. So um, that's very interesting. You, you, you talked about the fact that a lot of them are rethinking seating, yeah. right? But there is this thing about flow in the office. So there is, once you get to the office, absolutely, you need to, you know, sit down at your desk and there might be a space between you. But are they thinking as deep as like how many people can go into the bathroom at the same time? Or like, what are, what are some people yeah. thinking? Yeah, you know, I think there is. I mean, the, the bathrooms and elevators, you mentioned those, those are, those are complicated things. If they already exist, those are very expensive things to adjust right? It's a lot easier if you're in the planning stages. And, and we have some clients who are actually planning to put in more bathrooms than they would have to by code. They're planning to, you know, there's new elevator dispatch systems out there that help with traffic and flow. Um, but for right now, what I'm seeing is mostly it's a it's policy. It's limiting the number of people that go in, you know, saying only four people in an elevator, that kind of thing. I don't, you know, I think People, as they start to get vaccinated and get a little bit more comfortable, people have kind of short memories. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, right? Yeah. Because the whole enforcement thing, right? Right. And <laughs> yeah. you know, the other thing with that, too, is in New York, especially, New Yorkers don't have a lot of time for dilly-dally, right? Like, if, they're, right. if there's a better system, maybe, that they have more space, but it slows them down, they're probably not going to do it in the long run. Yeah. So, you know. Well, I mean, if companies are smart, particularly those who have, like, high-rise buildings, I would imagine that they would use a combination of a, hey, you show up at this time, co combined with the destination dispatch piece to make the experience be at least streamlined. Because the last thing you want is for somebody to actually get to the office and you tell them, well, that's great, but there's a line of like 25 people that you have to wait to get on an elevator for. And then there's the vaunted lunchtime. <laughs> like the hardest part of any of this stuff whenever you have resource constrained challenges, right? Yeah. And so how are how are clients thinking about food for for their employees? Yeah, food has always been a really important part of culture, office culture, right? It's, you know, the, the pantry, the free food in the pantry, that kind of thing. And for, for many young professionals, it's an important perk, you know, all of that, you know, free lunch and that kind of thing. What, the thing that, and that's not going away. I mean, that's going to still be a part of it. Right now, there's a little bit of a um, friction between environmentally friendly and individually wrapped everything. We've kind of oh, gone back. Right. A little bit. Um, so that's a nice place for any brilliant people out there to come up with a solution for that. But um, I would say that the, one of the things I'm seeing that I really love that's kind of new is is um, creating experience around food. And so rather than just having a pantry that has free food all day, you just go whenever. Also having events like two o'clock on Wednesday, there's going to be ice cream sandwiches. Well, you got to come in that half hour or they're going to melt. And that, that enforces people to interact with each other and see each other. Yeah. And do you, do you force people to sit? six feet apart from each other when they eat their sandwiches? Or like, how does that work? <laughs> well, I'll say, you know, I can say here in the New York office, we've actually been open for um, since last summer and it's been on a voluntary basis. We've, you know, allowed people to sign up if they want to come in. And we have um, right now, we have up to about 70% of our offices actually signed up to come in one day or more per week. And we've really left it up to them. 
and we, you know, we say social distancing and we have people kind of spread out, but it's sort of not a big deal. I'll say it's, yeah. you know, we, and you have to be vaccinated to come into the office, which has been really great because before that wasn't the case at first and we had to wear a mask all day in the office and, you know, nobody liked that. So yeah. we have to be vaccinated to come in. We don't have to wear masks. And, you know, I hugged my, I hug my colleagues that I haven't yeah. seen in 15 months. One of the things that, you know, we, like you, Becky, Luminary has been reopened since the New York lockdown lifted. Obviously our space, we had to, like you're doing with many of your clients, completely reimagine what that looked like, what people were gonna be comfortable with as we sort of went through this. Obviously with more and more people getting vaccinated, there is a bigger comfort level with sitting next to someone or sitting on a couch with someone versus being you know sandwiched in i think there's still a capacity concern right i don't want to be at something that's over capacity you know how are we thinking about companies that are having big when when events start to happen again in person but you mentioned sort of the ice cream sandwich example and i know um because i visited goldman's offices when they opened um and you know one of the things that they're doing and I, we're seeing this with other companies that have reopened their offices are these trying to bring their people together in different ideas around collaboration. So whether that's having an ice cream truck or a cart, having a coffee cart that are in more open areas so people can talk to one another, reestablish connection because so many of us have been isolated. Yeah. 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 And we, you know, we have an actual experience manager in our office who helps. And we had that before the pandemic. And we're seeing more of that kind of a role pop up because it's almost like on a, I don't want to say cruise ship, but, you know, you, you plan events during the day to bring people together. That's kind of a newer, that's going to be the future, I think, in offices. You have to think of it like it's an event. People are coming in to be together. Let's, you know, make sure it's worthwhile. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is, um, smart companies actually look beyond just um, getting people together, right? They, they actually start to think about having experienced managers who are helping program which teams need to be together when and how they are together. So yeah. if you are on a product team and you need to really be partnered really closely with your tech team, then you can actually start to program when those people actually come together. Now, obviously it takes more resources to do that, it's fascinating because a lot of companies don't see these things as value added, right? Um, they see them as cost, cost and expense, but they don't recognize the, the opportunity that comes together with it helping driving revenue. Have yeah. you seen any of your clients actually like try to make that connection at all? Or is it still just very um, early days? It's kind of early. I mean, we definitely have clients who've been ahead of the curve and who have had those kinds of roles. And it's mostly clients who did hybrid work and they had a very transient workforce that was important. But we are starting to see new roles. Like uh, I heard about a chief remote officer the other day. So mm -hmm. a new, like a C-suite role that's all about making sure that how are we managing when people are in offices? Which team come in, comes in at the same time? Does the How does the IT work for these teams? Do they need something different? Um, you know, so that's really interesting. And, and I think one of the big challenges, it's Monday and Friday. What do you do about Monday and Friday? Right. If you give people a choice on when they're coming into the office, they're coming in. Are, they're going to come Wednesday, in Thursday, Friday, right? Right. Yeah. So now you've got empty office on Monday and Friday. Everyone's into, so someone's got to either manage that or there has to be someone, you know, there has to be a strategy around that. Yeah. You mentioned empty office, right? And we're, I mean, a, a number of us being here in the New York area, but you look at cities all over, especially in the urban areas with empty office space or 
additional office space that they're no longer using, right? A lot of people are cutting back. They know that their employees aren't going to be there. Are you seeing any creative opportunities to be able to use that space? We're, we're definitely seeing um, companies who are starting to think, well, maybe I don't need all these individual desks. Like, right. let me take out these desks and let me make this into an open, flexible area that has tables that teams can come, like say the team comes in for two days a month and they all work together and they wanna, they wanna own that space. Maybe there's movable whiteboards. So oh. really, you know, we're not seeing so many people give up drastic amounts of space. It's rethinking the space they have because you still want to have this, like those kinds of areas take more space yeah. to fit the yeah. people in than just cramming them in desks. I don't want to say that we're cramming, but you know. Oh, well, you know, I got to imagine because you, you've heard some companies just say, look, we're just going to be totally remote. Yeah, We're going to have very little office space. Um, I've got to believe, particularly in places like New York, large metropolitan areas where people had big, long commutes there is absolutely a group of employees who are saying like, I don't want to drive an hour and a half or commute an hour and a half to get to work every day. I'm sure there's probably going to be some um, really creative solutions. I was actually, um, I've been like, cause I was in real estate for so long. I'm always like paying attention to the landscape. And so as I've been driving along, there's like one asset class that continues to be like super empty and super big. And those are malls. Yeah. Right? And I got to believe that somebody's going to get creative enough to start to create hub zones for employees to be able to not have to go so far away from their house um, that they can come together in groups and, you know, still be able to come maybe, you know, one day a week to the big office, but, you know, be able to be in hub zones because you are living with roommates or you do have small kids at home and you're not really trying to be working from home. So have you seen any of your clients start to talk about creative ideas like that? Or is that still just like Susan and her pie in the sky thinking? No, Susan, you're on to something. Yeah, definitely have some clients who are starting to look at, you know, where is our talent coming from? If we're, you know, do we need to start looking at an outpost or hub offices? Because you're exactly right. A lot of people, I think, are going to have a hard time making the decision to commute two hours every day. You know, that's good. That's something, you know, if they were doing that. So we're definitely seeing um, conversations around that. We're actually internally, I've seen a few exciting things that we've been working on. Like, how do you re repurpose malls? That's a really exciting topic to think about. We had done that previously with like parking garages, like when the when autonomous vehicles come, how do what do we do with all the parking garages? You know, so these are the kinds of things. You know, architects and designers love to uh, noodle over. Well, we're even seeing that in, in, in commercial space, because in New York, you're seeing a lot of these landlords or the those that are managing saying, we don't have now the traffic for the commercial tenants. Can we repurpose these into actual residential? Yeah, that's been right? for a long time. And half the buildings yeah. down in New York are now residential, which used to be commercial space. It also has a lot to do with the age of the building and the infrastructure to actually meet com commercial standards. So it'll be, I'll be really fascinated to see how that goes. There's there's actually a question um, or at least a comment uh, in the chat um, from, from uh, Tashina, who is interested to see if changes are gonna be made in the future due to the Delta variant. Obviously there's gonna be like these variants that happen. Um, we're starting to see cases begin to peak again um, particularly in certain parts of the United States and certainly in other parts of the world where they have no vaccine at all. How are your clients thinking about their global portfolios of space? And, you know, everybody seems to be very U.S. centric in this return to the office conversation, but it really is a global pandemic and global issues. Are you seeing 
varying discussions there with your with your clients? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of them, and, and this is one of the things that's so hard. You can't just make a blanket statement that applies everywhere in the world because it's different in everywhere in the world. You know, our offices in Asia have been open for a long time and they've, you know, they've been back to normal, so to speak, for a long time. But we're definitely seeing it's it's sort of a local case by case and there's going to be different things in play in different locations. And, you know, I really see it as starting to be much more bespoke, a much more bespoke solution to how work is done and what you're expecting, because nobody wants to put their people in, in harm's way, I think, and demanding that they come back to the office when there's variant spiking. But hopefully, you know, we we tend to do a lot of talking about, you know, post-COVID, like eventually it's going to go away, right? right. Well, and actually, it's, it's not going to go away, right? It's going to be like the flu, as I hear it. It's going to become as less. As the experts, it's going to be around in some shape or form. Or well, and then we're going to have the next one. Right. Yes. Not that the genie's out of the box. Right. This is going to I don't think this is going to go. away. I think the way we react to things, the way we handle the situation, both from the government and the private sector is going to change. Right. Certainly. Um, but companies have to continue to be thinking on their feet around. OK, a year ago, no one was prepared for this. Now we're prepared. But there are going to be, to Becky, to your point, there's, this is not a one size fits all. These different personas. What about caregivers? What about working parents? What about new professionals? What about higher risk individuals? Right. How do we look at that? Um, you know, I'm even seeing we're seeing those that companies offices haven't even made an announcement about reopening or what that's going to look like. So there's still even those employees that are saying, I haven't even been communicated to yeah. which is causing an even bigger sort of terrible. That's a really good point. I think communication is probably one of the number one things every company should be thinking about. It's over communicate, tell your employees what is going on, what they can expect, you know, whatever it is, because that's the thing. That's the worst thing, not knowing and just being expected to like go back to normal. You've got to communicate like crazy. We, we we created a little video to help people understand what to expect when they come back to the office. And, you know, and to be clear, I am in New York, so I'm speaking from the New York perspective. I'm fully aware parts of the country are not in, in the same condition that New York is. And so it's definitely yeah. still a very serious condition out there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, can we go to the person, talk about the personas for a mm -hmm. second, right? Yeah. So um, you and I are working moms and, you know, we, we're dealing with like small, you know, younger kids and the stuff that's, so um, for like, cause we know we got a lot of working moms who join the show and who watch it. Like, what are the recommendations that you're making to your clients around how to engage or create space that makes sense for um, working moms? Yeah. Parents. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's a really good one. I am, I have a seven year old at home and my, like my world changed drastically this year, like as many did. Um, you know, I think it's that it's the flexibility, number one, really important and understanding that it's, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different. Everyone has different daycare situations, childcare situations. And, you know, broadly speaking, it's kind of like the flexibility at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, right? You want to be able to maybe drop your kid off at school, which is something I never used to do. You know, my, I used to see my son one or two hours a day, five days a week, because I would leave before he was awake and I would get home a couple of hours before he went to bed. And I like my eyes have woken up. You know, I've woken up this last year like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. I don't have to do that. There's ways around that. So probably it's that flexibility around the beginning and the end of the day. And I think 
we, I think we all realize now, like the nine to five workday was not ever made for parents. That never yeah. worked for parents. So definitely maybe not for working moms. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Or working dads or anybody who, ha you know, that doesn't work. And schools don't even go till five. Schools end right. at like two. <laughs> so, That's right. That's right. So for I think for working parents, it's that it's flexibility is the number one thing. I've had some clients who actually considered, you know, have considered looking for office space where there's, you know, daycare nearby. Or really trying to think of what are those perks that you can give to working parents that will really entice them to come back. Well, if their daycare is right in the in the building or next door, that's yeah. really that, that's a great point. Are you seeing, and, and we've talked about this and a couple of the shows back, I, you know, in the old days, right, when a number of us started, <laughs> a lot of companies offered, you know, subsidized childcare. I know the first bank that I worked at, MDNA, in every single one of their facilities, they had childcare on site, right? And it made it so easy for parents, right? Moms and dads or grandparents even. Are you seeing any of the companies that you're working with as they think about benefits, as they think about creative ways to use their space, think at all about bringing in childcare facilities? The, we've I've had a couple of conversations with clients around it. There, there are some restrictions in New York, especially. It's kind of challenging to bring childcare into like a high rise building because it can't be above the second floor. There's like a lot of things with that. Um, and a lot of um, my clients don't necessarily want to become that you know they don't want to go into that business. <laughs> but it's yeah. more like partnering with um local you know daycares or things like that yeah, yeah. which which by the way is a benefit right so either yes. way if it's one block away or if it's in the if it's in the building it's still an incredible benefit that i would think susan and and becky that if you're an employee there you're going this is great it's gonna make me be much more um loyal to the company because they're thinking about my persona Yes. And, and, you know, there's, you know, having gone through this, um, I've seen many different iterations of it. Some companies opt for backup childcare, which just for the record companies that doesn't really work when parents really need have an emergency because like oftentimes it's really hard to get a spot for that. So being able to have a full-time reliable childcare plan is actually really awesome. Um, Becky, when you think about the other personas that you've planned for, are there any unique or interesting perks that you've seen um, your clients say, hey, we got to do this? And you, you guys are like, oh, yeah. Or you suggested to them that you need to plan for? Um, I think we're trying. I mean, I've seen some, you know, depending on the company. So some of our companies are much more focused on they have a maybe a more diverse, um, you know, population and so yeah. they're maybe being more they're considering a lot more things some of our companies have a population that travels a lot and so there's different kinds of things that they're building in that like if you think like if you're going to a different city every day for a week there are certain things you're not going home at night so what else what can we have for you there you know dry cleaning or uh -huh. kind of ahead of the curve and who have had those sorry about that <laughs> you know so things like that i think you know things like um, the young, you know, young professionals who are maybe right out of school, like the, they need different things than older, like more established professionals need. Um, and just really trying to think of all the different kinds of people and the people you want to attract too. many companies in this last year have probably realized, wait a minute, maybe there's a reason why my company is not as diverse as I would like it to be. What do we need to look at to make that change? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's actually a really um, interesting point because we've talked about kind of the cultural 
like things that will come alive as a result of these discussions. And um, both Kate and I both talked about the fact that we think there's going to be a big exodus of employees who've just decided that the culture of the company that they're working for doesn't work for them. And this is revealing a lot about um, how much their companies are willing to invest in them as people uh, versus just kind of letting them go and do whatever. So it's really a, a very interesting topic. I mean, um, the, the topic is, the, and I think, Susan, it should be one of the next ones we cover is really this, the great resignation, right? Yes. Like companies, believe it or not, it, it, it's, it is, I mean, 4 million people left their jobs in April alone right? On top of the 5 million women that were out of the workforce, all that, that number's kind of ticking back. It's, we still have a long way to recovery. And so companies, if they're, if you are not thinking about all of these things, um, you're in trouble. I mean, one last thing that, you know, you mentioned the earlier, the, the, um, the chief, um, the, what was the CRO, the chief remote officer, a lot of companies this past year have brought in chief medical officers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah because of, you know, there's concern, they're scared, you're sick, you know, taking up the temperature and understanding that impact too. travel. If I'm traveling not only to different cities every day, what if I'm traveling abroad? Am I able to come back into my home, you know, into my, into my office if I've just been to Hong Kong or what's the quarantine rules, right? All of these things companies have to think about, which makes it so much more complex than we ever would have dreamed. Yeah. Yes. The other, the other thing too, you know, I've seen a lot of companies introducing, um, like the chief medical, but like psychological, um, oh, help. Yeah. For, you know, that's a benefit. And this year, when we all need it after this year. That's right. That's right. That's so, right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're getting close to time. Any last things that we um, should be thinking about, or companies or employees should be thinking about? And the other just question I wanted to ask you is like, you know, we talked about this at the beginning, which is like this is a turning point. Right. And this is, uh, you know, as challenging as, you know, dealing with the pandemic has been, it really has opened the door for us to be bold and progressive on changing the way people think about workplace. Yeah. And so are there any things that you, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe transforming malls or whatever, but like anything that you guys have been learning that you're like, you know what, you may not do it today, but boy, you better be thinking about that. Yeah. Um trying to think of specific examples. I mean, I think it, it's mostly around the idea of like, don't don't let this year go to waste, right? We went through a lot this year. This is a chance to not put up with just accepting the way things have been, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not working for your company, if the space you have doesn't like change it, do something about it to make it a great experience. And I think flexibility is the word that comes up over and over. And, you know, when you build out office space, that's very expensive and it tends to be very fixed and very yeah. hard to change. And I think we're going to see more and more products and more and more design out there that is intentionally flexible. And, you know, it things like, you know, rooms that can divide or stuff that moves around or whatever it might be. That's, I think, the key. We have to be less prescribed. We have to think like scientists. We have to be willing to try things, change it, adapt. Um, that's the future. I think that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a really awesome way for us to end. Um, Becky, we can't thank you enough. It's been an awesome discussion. I'm sure just from the amount of incoming we've had both on my phone and on our questions, it's been a very um, thoughtful and insightful conversation. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you um, for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we've got a lot of exciting topics coming up. Kate has already mentioned um, one that we're going to be talking about. 
We also are going to um, be having a couple of special guests coming on in the coming weeks. One of the topics is all also gonna be around, okay, so you've been sitting around in your stretch pants and you're um, you know, not wearing makeup. Like how do you get a fresh face that's quick and easy? Both for men and women, how do you know how do you like change think about your wardrobe changes for the things that you might have to do if you've got to go back to the office and engage? We also um, um, have some other special guests who are going to talk about how their lives have just totally changed as a result of the pandemic and some things that they absolutely just don't want to see when they go back to the office. So we got a lot of awesome uh, guests that are going to be coming on. So remember, we're here every Wednesday at noon from 12 to 1230. We're figuring out how to get the tech right. I know that for those of y'all who are watching on my page, I accidentally pressed the pause button. So you missed like five minutes of it, but now you're seeing it, which is awesome. But I have tech support coming. who will be doing it for me in the future. So that's what you get when you get a live show and you got me on the tech. So there you go. That's what you get when we're all still trying to figure out, working from home, working right. remote, doing a lot of this on our own. And, and it's okay. It's okay. Yes. That's Nothing right. Perfect. I think, if, again, if we haven't learned anything from this past year, one of the things is no one's perfect. This is not all going to go according to plan, and that's okay. Becky, it's so great to have you and your insight. We'll definitely have you back in the fall as people really start returning yeah, to the office and see what companies are doing. Um, as Susan said, we're hopefully we'll see you next week at noon on Wednesday, navigating the work conference here from LinkedIn. Have a great rest of the day. Share it with your friends and tell them to check in and watch it. We'll see you later.